Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss, uh, president of Embassy National Bank, and uh, Embassy is proud to bring you our show, On the Money, which is our weekly uh, radio broadcast to help small businesses um, navigate that minefield that's out there, uh, trying to make things work for themselves. Um, we have a kind of a little bit different show today, but uh, we'll weave in issues that are important to small business into it. Uh, but joining us today is Ronnie Winstead. He is the owner and president of a company called Virtual Adrenaline. And Virtual Adrenaline, among other things, uh, is a recording studio and a music business uh, located over in the uh, Sugarloaf Mall area, or Discover Mills Mall. So, Ronnie, welcome today. Thank you, Joe. You're in a very, very interesting industry and business. Yes, sir. Very interesting. Um, we were just talking earlier about how much in, how much technology has really changed the nature of what you do. Uh, from where it was, say, back in the 50s and 60s to where it is now. Do you want to talk a little bit about that you know, to kind of get things going? Well, sure. I mean, when it started, there was real musicians. <laughs> Wait a minute, musicians? What's that? People that play instruments, not computers. And they could sing. Oh, and they wrote songs, and they had melodies. Wow, that's a new concept back then, right? Yep. And that was good up until about 1980, pushing into 90, because 80s was when we came up with synthesizers. And we started getting the cool sounds. It was something fresh. So it started shifting. When 90s got here, we got computers. And that's where it all went wrong. <laughs> that's when the sampling came in. That's when stealing music, they call it sampling, came in. And there was another era created, another style. Okay, that was good. But it was taken away from the singer-songwriter. Fortunately, for those of us that do play instruments, in the last three years, it started coming back around. If you watch the Grammys three years ago, every single song that actually placed at the Grammys were singer-songwriter. They were bands with instruments. No hip-hop, no rap, no R&B, no kind of music even placed. So what it's come to is people are tired of watching a person and a microphone and two speakers. They want to experience the band. And and hence the rise and I think somewhat fall of American Idol, for example. Mm -hmm. It uh, rose in significant prominence for a while, but now everybody's kind of getting bored with it. Yeah, everybody's saying it's just kind of run its course. And uh, I think if they make it survive, they'll probably change their format and have a different way of doing it, maybe. Or they might create a new show. I, I don't really know. Yeah. Well, tell us about Virtual Adrenaline. What do you all do? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting when people ask that because we're, we're so unusual. Um, typically, a recording studio, which is pr our primary focus, they do recording. And that's pretty much it. Well, we are a 100% turnkey turn situation. Recording, mixing, mastering, duplication, direct print on a CD, UPC, UPC codes, QR codes, shrink wrap, artist development, management. We have our own publishing and a full line of video production as well. So if you've got uh, – if someone is out there and they've got a uh – a voice that they think is pretty good, or let's say they have a song that they think is pretty good, or maybe they have both. 
then uh, you basically are a turnkey to let them get that out there and then potentially have it shown to some other people. Right. And the way we do that, because we don't want to come off like we do know everything and you have to do it our way, this is the way it is. The first time you go to a restaurant, especially a nice sit-down, okay, you give the, put the menu in your hand. Does that mean you have to order everything on the menu? No. No, no you're going to pick did. out yeah. what you think sounds good, and that's what you're going to pick. So we're the same way. So you can choose, and after you have the meal, I say, whoa, maybe I'll try some of that dessert. And you can choose and pick from what we offer. And, and we're, we're really okay with that. If you have someone that you want to do your CD duplication, we're good with it. Somebody wants to do the graphics, the photography, it doesn't matter. We offer the services, and you choose and pick which ones you feel comfortable with. Um, you kind of brought up the whole subject of uh, what I guess you called, um, what did you call the copying songs? You called it a different word. Duplicating. Duplicating. Um, the whole idea of uh, what was that first software that came out that just let people steal music? What was that called? A mobster or? Um, I, yeah, I don't remember the name of it now. Napster. 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 That yeah. was it. Yeah. So how does how does someone protect what they've worked hard on? How do they how do you protect yourself? That's a really interesting question because through the years we've heard stories and the first story I heard I started playing guitar when I was about twelve years old. I think that's a hundred years ago, something like <laughs> not really, but close. <laughs> seems yeah. like it. Um and the first thing I heard was, Hey, if you want to secure your music, then you have to have it copywritten. Well, before, this is way before computers, so how do you do that? Okay. Well, what you would have to do is go to your local library and through there get the paperwork, fill it out, send a copy of, back then it was cassettes, of your song, mail it into Library of Congress, and then they would send your certificate back saying, hey, we got it and mm -hmm. you're, you're secure. And then the next thing I heard was you can do the poor man's copyright. The poor man's copyright was, as it was told, same thing is if you you send it registered mail to yourself. Mm -hmm. In other words, that was free. It cost you a postage stamp. I think back then it was probably 10 or 15 cents. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, from then even till now, that has never been able to be held up in court. So it's not really accurate. It doesn't really work. But I was one of millions that did it, <laughs> trying to do my thing. Now that we have computers, you can simply go online librarycongress.gov, and you can do your copyright online. There are several different types, and you have to understand what they are and what you're copywriting. If you're doing a song, you're doing an SR, which is sound recording. Okay? Now, here's, here's the, the tricky part. Technically, you do not have to copyright your song to have it secured. But, here's, here's the but part. If you do not and it were go to court, mm -hmm. it's the only thing that will hold up in court. Yeah, because I had heard that uh, if just the mere fact of you recording it uh, makes it your own, but you're saying that's hard to defend. And that is correct. Okay. So okay. It, by the law, if you read, go to Wikipedia and look up the definition of copyright music, by law, when you've written down the information so someone else can interpret and, and play that music – you have got a copyright, but that won't hold up in court according to what's on the Library of Congress website. It's interesting. Now, these other services are out there. I guess the uh, TuneCore is one of them. 
do they actually help you copyright the music? There's a lot of them that say they will copyright for you or help you. The fact is, if they do that, they're going to actually own the copyright. It's your song, and you'll get a part of it. Hmm. See, we have our own publishing company. And let's say you come in to record a song. You've written a song. You performed it in your basement. You got a recording. But now you want to get a recording that, that's a radio ready. Mm -hmm. That's a certain level of quality that you have to have for that. Okay, so let's say we do that. And you want me as a publisher to have that song in my catalog, which is no longer a physical catalog. It's online. And the reason for having a publisher is that publisher is going to work on pitching that song for all these different bands we do film as well. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be pitching it to the film industry. We're going to be pitching it to plays, all kinds of things, because if they're looking for a certain message or a certain style of music and it's a fit, we're going to reach out to them because if we can make that work, it makes you money, makes me money. Here's the interesting part when you go with a publisher. You sign your copyright over to the publisher. Mm -hmm. Now the publisher owns your copyright. Right. You no longer own it. But... By agreement means the contract, the percentage, you would still be getting whatever percentage is agreed upon. We do 50-50. Mm -hmm. And the reason we do that, because most of the industry does 75-25 in favor of the publisher. We will, All we want to do is help people. So we feel like that's a fair thing to do. Last night it came up and I said that and we're like, you're giving it away. No, no. I would rather work with a bunch of people and help them than just two or three. That's uh, that's interesting. Where is the biggest demand for music coming from? You mentioned movies, and I'm sure there's other places. Where, who is the other than the consumer? Who's the biggest buyer of music these days? If you think about just a minute, you'll be able to answer that question easily. Have you ever seen anything motion picture wise without well, music? No. Anything. Right. Even from the 1700s, anything. Even the silent movies actually has somebody playing a piano behind it. Mm -hmm. It pretty much doesn't exist unless you have a home movie. So music is the most important thing. And now that the film industry is coming into Atlanta, in fact, they're building the largest film lot in America right now down in Fairville, Pinewood, which I've already spoke with the people, met some of the people. They're going to be looking for music. You know, yeah, I think you need to repeat that because people here in Atlanta don't really appreciate how big this project is. Why, oh. don't, why don't you talk about that just a little bit more? Well, I don't know everything about it, but I'm also on the board of GMIA, Georgia Music Industry Association. And uh, so we get to meet a lot of these people firsthand. We get to work with them, talk with them, and just like you and I, sitting mm -hmm. down and really talking. So we get, the, the, you know, from the horse's mouth, so to speak, instead of all the hearsay. So uh, we had a meeting uh, last month, and we had two of the guys from Pinewood there and uh, talked to them. And they were talking about how big of a project this is. Mm -hmm. The the hole was still that where the music is going to come from. Hmm. And still the way of thinking, even though these people are moving here from all over America, mostly from California and uh, New York is mostly the film business, and that's where it comes from. And those big companies are moving here. And they don't realize that right here in Atlanta, they can find any style of music they want mm -hmm. because what's being said is it's the hip-hop capital. Mm -hmm. So they think it's only hip-hop and rap is really what's here. And this is where my studio is trying to make those changes. 
my artist repertoire, when you listen to, when I do a showcase, uh, we'll be doing one soon at uh, Discover Mills. Well, it's now Sugarleaf Mills. And, and you'll get to hear pretty much every style of music that exists. Uh, and that's what we do. But we got to just have one one rule in our studio. The lyrics must be family friendly. Well, that's 24-7. It doesn't matter. You can't buy your way in. You don't have that much money. And I've turned away as much as $4 million on one song. Wow. So you're not going to buy me. We're going to be true to what we want to do. So uh, these studios don't, don't realize that we have all this. So we're letting them know, hey, we've got those styles of music. Because typically they go to Nashville, California, to uh, Austin, Texas, and uh, that's one other they go to on, on Nashville. Those are the four they go to just not even thinking. Mm-hmm. And it was funny during the when we had that particular meeting, one lady said, well, do y'all get your songs from Reverb Nation? Well, as singer-songwriters, we know what Reverb Nation is. We know what Taxi is. These guys have never heard of it. Wow. They said, we don't know what you're talking about. We've never heard of it. What is that? And it was a shock to everybody. Now, I already knew this because of my working in the film. That's not where they go for their music. They go to these sound companies that create music. It's almost like karaoke companies. And they have these beds, and they just lock in that they think this is what we're going to use. Only other thing they look for is popular music. You know, ones that we already know. 70s and 80s is still the most played music worldwide. Mm-hmm. It's still the best. And why? Again, like I started off, it's, it's music. real musicians. It's real. I mean, it's just real. It's not no. We call it plastic. Right. It's not on the computer. It's not plastic. Right. Right. Uh, this is on the money. Brought to you by Embassy National Bank. I'm Joe Moss, the moderator, and I'm joined by Ronnie Winstead, who was owns and operates Virtual Adrenaline Productions, which is a uh, music production company and recording studio located in Discover Mills. Um. Ronnie, when when someone's got the idea that they've got a song that they want to do, how much does it cost to to get in to see you? Oh, that part's free. Okay, to and, get in to see you. And in fact, here's what we do: hundred percent, everybody, don't matter who it is. Um, we meet, we talk. I, I do the same thing with you. If you want to come in and and see what we do, I do what I call a meet and greet. Mm-hmm. And the meet and greet is has two purposes. Number one, I want to learn about you what you sound like, what your needs are. Then I'm going to let you listen to some production and stuff that we've done that's similar to what you're trying to achieve. We're going to find out if the connection is there. If the connection is there, then we'll decide a date and time you can come in and start working on a project. Mm-hmm. Now, um, do you ever get in a situation where you have to tell somebody, you know, I don't think this is going to work? Yes. And uh, how often does that happen? And what's that conversation like? Most of the time, that has to be with the people that's doing the hip-hop and the rap. Yeah. And they feel like, you know, they've got a great message, and they may have a good delivery. They might have a good track. Most of the time, because I'm a real musician, I want to improve on that because it's not really real musical. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be, even even for those genres, it still needs to be that way. Um, and usually the only problem that we have is their language. And so we don't restrict anybody from their style of music. I'm not going to penalize you because you think banging a banana on a pan is your style of music. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I won't let you participate unless you're going to use proper English. You know, in other words, I'm not going to have cussing. I'm not going to have sexual indication. It's got to be family friendly. Well, that makes makes a lot of sense. How many, um, what's the age 
uh, range of people that you see over there? Uh, currently, my youngest um, client is eight years old. Right. My oldest client is 93. Wow. Now, are these people, are they both, uh, they have songs they've written and want produced, or they have their singers and want to sing a song, or is it a combination of both? It's all those and more. Okay. Now, here's the interesting thing that probably might answer some listeners. This is the most common thing. Someone says, well, hey, I wrote a song. So they come in, and they put down some lyrics on the on the table and they go here's my song i go how does it go <laughs> exactly right. uh, but they you wrote a song i said well how many instruments do you play and I, they don't play any instruments either so what i have to explain to them i said hey it's not a song it's just lyrics or a poem or a story until it has a melody mm-hmm. when you put melody to that now we've got a song well that's what i need help with so we will work with them and develop music for them. We'll actually write the music, play all the instruments, record it. And anytime we're working on your project, you can be there. And then most of the time we'll actually have to sing it. And then so they can learn their song. And then the funny part is they always go out going, this is my song. Well, technic- sort of. technically, well, no. It's half but- theirs and half yours, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. right. And, and therefore we do a split sheet too. You know what a split sheet is? No, I do not. Okay, in the recording studio, and, and you should do this even if it's a home recording studio, just so that you can be fair with people. Uh, a split sheet is ownership of the content. Hmm. For instance, if, again, if you brought those lyrics in, you, you don't play an instrument, you don't have any music, uh, they look at it as a 200% pie. And there's a reason for to use 200 rather than 100. So if I'm, if you go to a normal studio, we're not normal. <laughs> um, if I change even one word, I get 50% of the songwriting rights. Okay. We don't do that. We'll write as much as, rewrite as much as half of the lyrics. We're going to let you keep 100%. We're going to let you have ownership of that. Mm-hmm. In return, we're doing all the music. We're going to have ownership of the music. So the split sheet is a legal document saying, hey, Joe wrote the lyrics and the virtual journalist wrote the music. Therefore, this equals a song. When we go to do copyright, that information goes over to copyright. There's no dispute. Okay. What I've done in the past is just get people to say that I'm being hired uh, as a sole proprietor and have no rights. So that's how I, if I've wanted a musician to help me, that's how I would do it. I want to talk to you about, um, uh, you hear a lot of bands covering, quote, covering music. They'll take another, somebody else's song. They think they've got a kind of a twist to it and want to cover it. Um, how do you get permission to cover another song? Harry Fox Agency. Harry Fox Agency. That's the largest company in America. It might be in the world now because I, they just bought out somebody else. Um, and what they do is all they really focus on is doing mechanical rights. What a mechanical right is, there's a song that exists. It's been recorded. Even if you don't know about it, if it's been recorded, mm-hmm. copywritten, technically co- recorded, then you have to get permission to use that song. Let's go back to you coming in my studio. We got your song. We're done. Now, it's on your CD. It's not going anywhere. But someone hears it and says, hey, we'd like to do that song. Mm-hmm. Well, since I'm your publisher, then they have to get rights for me just like they would a Harry Fox. Or they can go to Harry Fox and go through me. It's two doors or one door. And that way they get permission. Typically, a normal thing is you can do uh, 200 pressings or 200 CDs. So you can sell it 200 times, and there's a certain fee. It can go from $10 or 
really up to tens of thousands because some songs Depending out there the song. yeah. are just ridiculous because they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically, 10 or 20 bucks would get you used to that song, 200 pressings. When you exhaust that, if you want more, then you got to reapply. Sometimes you don't get it. Second time, sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. Um, has the interest in music, uh, has the interest in writing and singing, has it in, is it increased over the last, say, 10 years, or is it decreasing? Where Where is that right now? Well, kind of like I said before, it's really decreased almost to zilch, really, until about three years ago. And then it's coming back. Because the computers, it's like anything else, new, new, something new. You know, we do with this when we exhaust what we could do. And then the musician starts coming out and going, hmm, well, now I really want to play an instrument. You wouldn't believe how many people that I have come in wants to learn to play an instrument uh, because they've been doing that. But now they realize, hey, I'm not really understanding structure. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't understand that a typical song is going to happen from six to 15 chords in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they write a beat or something on the computer, not knowing that structure, they usually do one or two chords, and that's all they're doing. And with all the good, it sounds like it's doing more. Mm-hmm. But if a person with a guitar or a keyboard plays it, then they realize, oh, this is just two chords. Okay, that's not enough for a real singer to sing because you can't go far enough vocally. And so you're seeing also seeing on the on the. Movie side, I guess they're the biggest buyers. Are they looking more for this original, what I would call singer-songwriter kind of music? Or are they, are, are they sticking with the mechanical computer stuff? They are doing a combination. It really depends on there's, – there's two basic areas. One is independent films. Mm-hmm. Just like independent artists, we call them indie artists. You know, the record labels, there's only about two record labels even existing anymore. Uh, because the record label deals just got more sour and they want to have more control. So they've lost control. Right. Okay. Right. We're hoping the same thing doesn't happen with film, you know, but now you've got a lot, a lot of people that on their own, they do their own thing and they get very successful. Mm-hmm. So with the film industry, you have your indie films and you have your major motion pictures. The major motion pictures, they have the budget, you know, spending a hundred million dollars for them on one film, they just expect it. You know, so if they need to go get a song from 1970 and they have to pay $10,000 to play that song one time in the movie, well, that's nothing. nothing, Okay. Now, you as an independent filmmaker, if you want that same song, the price doesn't change. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. But you don't have $10 million. You're working on a $200,000 budget. Right. So you can't go in and do that. So they look for the singer-songwriter that still will fit. The film, the scene, the feel, the type of music, the storyline, the pace, they're looking for that singer-songwriter. So more people now are starting to realize that, and they're really starting to go, I need to develop my skill. Mm -hmm. And I was going to tell you one other thing. First and third Monday of every month, I teach free guitar lessons in the studio. So um, I need a break in here. This is Joe Moss. Uh, This is On The Money. Brought to you by Embassy National Bank, and uh, we've got uh, Ronnie Winstead here in the studio today. He owner and operator of uh, Virtual Adrenaline, which is a music production company and recording company located over in uh, Discover Mills Mall. Uh, let's come back to what you were just talking about, um, the uh, guitar lessons. Are you seeing uh, uh, more and more people wanting to decide, hey, this uh what's that 
software program with the shows you what colors to push on the little like guitar hero guitar hero you're more yeah. people saying oh i can play the guitar and then exactly. they get the guitar and they can't do it <laughs> right <laughs> i want to really learn this is that is that is that a big thing now um well you know they have a new program that actually does teach you to play a real guitar that way oh yeah, it does okay it, yeah there's a new program i haven't personally played it but i've had some customers tell me about it but what i'm finding here's the interesting thing when they start working within the studio because they don't play music, they start understanding the structure, mm -hmm. and they go, well, I want to do this, okay? I, I, I have a guy right now, he's a Christian rapper, and I'm working with him. And he all of a sudden says, well, I want to learn to play guitar. I say, well, all you have to do is come to class. Right. So now what's rap and guitar has got to do with each other? Mm -hmm. But he's starting to understand structure, and he wants to have more control of his music. Because he doesn't play right now. Well, and, the, and also the whole concept of what people call fusion, which is taking different styles and, and fusing them together. I've heard country music now has rap in it. Yeah. Uh, I've heard rap that has acoustical guitar in it. Yes. Uh, and vice versa. So, I mean, it's just uh, fusion is a, is a pretty rapidly growing area as well. Well, I think it's another area that the musicians can now start to experiment and do some different things. Right. And that's one of the things that we try to encourage people. If you're coming in, let's say you're going to be a pop artist, mm -hmm. okay? Even though you may be really good, what's going to make you stand out amongst the other? That's the, the largest category in music right now worldwide. So what's going to make you more sellable than the next pop artist? The look, I guess. If you got the look. Yeah, if you got if the If you look. got the music. Right. If you got everything. Right. What's still going to make you stand out? It's all about a gimmick. Mm. Okay? You've got to have a gimmick. Not only visual, but you can have a gimmick musically. Mm -hmm. uh, I used the example when I was here before. I said, when you're going to have a country song and you want something that's different, what about putting the L adding a cello in your country band? Mm-hmm. How many times have you heard of country band with cello player? And if it's done properly, I can promise you it would be sweet. Right. Instead of the guy playing fiddle, let him play violin. Same instrument, the style of playing is different. Yeah, I know you're hearing a lot of um, uh, banjo music coming in. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and also a style, as the Irish style is now coming in pretty mm -hmm. heavily that you're hearing every now and then. Um that's you know that's uh, that's all pretty interesting. Do you is the end? I saw a special last night. It's a, actually it's a documentary, and the documentary is called Muscle Shoals, mm -hmm. and it was a documentary about the whole uh, music business out of Muscle Shoals, Alabama, in the '60s and '70s. Uh, back in those days, the recording studio was the place because nobody could afford any technology anywhere mm -hmm. and uh, everybody had to come in to a recording studio and get it done now in that in the old days in that profit margin or that profit model the recording studio actually owned whatever they put on a piece on a, a, a vinyl is that how that worked yeah they call it owning the masters okay and and some studios still retain that as now um, we always retain a copy of the masters, of the recording sessions, the files. But for our clients, we allow them to have anything we have. And I saw another thing I saw was when um, I think it was uh, 
not Stevie Wonder, but um, oh, the guy that came before him. Oh, I can't think of his name. One of my favorites. Um, Ray Charles. Hmm? Ray Charles. Yeah, Ray Charles was the first musician <laughs> who looked across the table and said, "I'm going to own the master." Yes. And the and recording the business looked at him and said, "No, we usually keep that." He said, "No, I own the master." And that's why he was so financially successful, I guess, because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in these days, I didn't realize this, but, uh, um, for example, Wilson Pickett, Aretha Franklin, uh, all these big names, they recorded in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. I thought that was all Motown music, but it mm-hmm. really wasn't. That's interesting. Yeah. And um, it's they say there's a special sound that comes out of Muscle Shoals. Rolling Stones recorded there. Mm-hmm. Did several there. They did Brown Sugar in okay. Muscle Shoals, Alabama. So, so uh, but nowadays, someone comes in and, and records, you don't automatically own the master. Well, technically you do. It's kind of like a copyright. Okay. You're, you're, you're recording that, so you do. I just feel like if it's the client's product, he has ownership too. And right. if he wants to take a copy of that, I'm going to keep a copy unless something is decided differently. He's welcome to it. If he wants the session files, he wants the mastered file. I, I don't care. Right. Now these music buyers out there, the, uh, I guess the, the people that, that are, are your clients, the, uh, the music buyers, do you get a, 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 a do you get a, um, reputation out there that uh, I know that if, if Ronnie sends me something that's probably going to be good, yes, and and they then they start calling you. Is that the way that works? It's as always word of mouth. Yeah, and and somebody's always got something better than the next person. Right. But again, the thing that does make us unique it happened again last night at our uh, meeting at GMIA. I was speaking to a young man and was asking what he did. And he has his own promotion company and. Uh, he helps artists, and then he, he also does the part where he says, well, I can help bring you business as well. So as we started talking, and I'm telling him what I offer, he said, he turns it around and he goes, I'm definitely going to bring you business because studios just don't focus on real instrumentation. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that enough. I go to the biggest ones here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Most of them, you walk in, there might be one musician in the room, mm-hmm. maybe. But most of the time they're not. They're trained just to do everything on the computer. Right. Well, I, I, it's kind of hard to put soul into something you can't touch. That's true. I know uh, I have a lot of drummer friends out there who uh, hate MIDI. Right. And and uh, there you can certainly tell a big difference between a song that's got real drums and MIDI drums. Correct. Just haven't been able to replace any of that yet. You mentioned, I'm going to kind of turn this around and talk about other small business and how things that you you have maybe relate to them. The first is this whole issue of um, uh, being able to play music in your establishment. If you're a restaurant owner, a bar owner, uh, an office owner, what has to happen for you to legally play music in your uh, establishment? Well, there's three companies that control that worldwide. BMI. Mm-hmm. ASCAP and CSAC. Okay. Okay. ASCAP is the oldest. BMI is the second. And CSAC is the young guy. That's the young people on the on the market. So uh, my publishing company is with BMI. Mm-hmm. So, if again, if you did a song with me, it's published through BMI. Okay. In order for the public 
to play this. Six Flags, grocery store, elevator, doesn't matter. They have to pay, it's, it's currently, if it hasn't changed, $2,000 a year for any music licensed through that organization. That's mm-hmm. a blanket coverage. So anytime it plays, a percentage of that gets c- split amongst all those artists that were played. Okay. So the artist is always getting favored. I believe that uh, Radio Airplay, Airplay right now is um, 7.2%, 7.2. In other words, if you're in, a, in the top 100, you'll get played 10 times a day. Mm-hmm. And you'll get paid 7.2 cents every time that spins. Mm-hmm. And there's something like 3,000 just basic radio stations across America. So multiply that out, and you can see how you could make some money. And radio stations pull from all these people, is that correct? Yes, sir. And a lot of those radio stations are now corporate-owned, so all that music is pre-set up for them. There's really no choice like there used to be. Yeah, used to you could literally walk into uh, a radio station, meet a DJ. I had it happen to me back in the day. Oh, we like that. Bam, they just put it on the air. Right. It was cool. You know, nobody got paid for nothing. The station is always ran by commercials anyway. Mm-hmm. That's how everything is funded, uh, even today. Um, but now they've cut all that off, and it's got to go through all the corporate tape. And I will tell you this. This is one of those unknown, off-the-record secrets. If you really did want to get on a song on radio, stay a major station in Atlanta, if you give me $35,000, I'll have you on the air next week. Now, that's called pay for play. Exactly. Not supposed to be there, but it's there. But it's there. Right. And it, it's not known. Right. But it we just had it happen last year. Wow. So we know that it will happen. You get play for a week. And then sometimes that will be good enough to get you that spark. Mm-hmm. So these big companies are willing to invest to see if they can get that back. But most of the time, it's a fail. Mm-hmm. The other thing you mentioned is as a, as a pop artist that you have to have like a gimmick to be recognized. Um, for example, if you're, in a, if you're in an industry where you all look the same, let's say the hotel business, let's say the uh, um, restaurant business, the, uh, everybody's got to have a gimmick, don't they? Yes. And, and in order to make yourself stand out. So um, what, are, what kind of gimmick do you use in your particular business to stand out from other recording studios? Well, the fact that we offer everything which is not a gimmick, but it's, it's real. Right. It, it, it's what we used to call back in the day customer service. Wow. There's a, there's a term for you. Okay. And that's what we've lost in America, no matter what business. Do you remember the days of the gas station? You drive up and the guy come out and pretty much cleaned your car and checked everything, put your gas in with a smile on his face and took your money? Mm-hmm. Well, the kids don't have any clue what that is now. Unless they watch Andy Griffith reruns. <laughs> That's what Gomer used to do. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, this is On the Money brought to you by Joe Moss. Uh, we're here with uh, Ronnie Winstead, uh, who is the owner of Virtual Adrenaline, a music production company located in uh, the Sugarloaf Mills or Discover Mills Mall. We're having a really interesting conversation about the music business. Um can you make money in this business anymore? Almost. Almost. And, and really, the real money is, there's two, two parts. As a singer-songwriter and trying to be the showman, you're not likely to make it. I don't care how good you are, how good-looking, how beautiful, 
how good your band is, how many followers you got, you're not likely to make it. I'm just being honest. It's more than one out of a million that make it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, and how we, would you define make it in that in that term? In a, in an area where you feel that there's a success rate that you financially are making successful money, which you feel like is a is a more over the top living. Okay. Standard. Okay. If you think making two hundred thousand dollars a year is like the pinnacle of life, and you're making three hundred, then you've probably made it. Okay. Okay. It's got to be right. a little more than what you actually expect. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Now, so the other part is this: um, in the film industry, it's actually easier to f- be found, get known, and be heard, mm-hmm. because in the music business, if you send a track to Nashville, which is uh, misleading because everybody thinks Nashville and that's the only place there is. But we'll use that as an example. You send the track up there and everybody's told you it's amazing. It's a hit. It's great. Here's the fact. And they can call any producer you want up there. They'll get that track in their studio. It goes to an intern. He's allowed to listen for 15 seconds. If it captivates him, it goes to the assistant director. He'll give it 15 seconds. If that's good, then he'll go to the director. He'll give it 10 seconds. If it passes him, then it would go to the producer and he'll listen to it. At any point in time, with that 10 or 15 seconds, it doesn't capture them. It literally goes on file 13. And I wonder how many songs that they get every day. I've been told 1,000 plus. Per day? Per day. Per agency, I would guess. Per location. There's there's hundred and something studios up there that are known to be big studio that's probably a thousand tiny ones so that's pretty normal Mm -hmm. now let's turn it back around the film industry we're here in atlanta now if you start connecting with those people and work with uh companies like mine and there's quite a few others around that's doing the same thing and working in the film business when that film says hey we need this for instance we're working on a christmas movie that's going to be released this uh december Mm mm-hmm we're writing the entire soundtrack. All the music has to be original, all the artists, all the songs. Okay? We're doing all that. So being that as it is, we're going to be looking at our artists and what we do and find which ones work and which one can be placement. Some of them are not even going to know about it mm-hmm. until we make those decisions. That one song can put them on the map. Mm. You think about it. You, you watch a movie and this song hits and you go, whoa, who, who did that song? I want to go find out. And you go find out. Those sales are more sales than records are now. Yeah, that and and the other thing I've noticed on TV shows and some of the indie movies is that they're they're taking a a lot more covers where a a song that may have been come from the 70s, someone else is covering it in a different way, and then that shows up on the movie. So I guess that's a package that the producer has, has put together somehow. Well, uh, sometimes that goes back to those mechanical rights. Mm-hmm. Some of those are affordable, and they're recognizable. Mm-hmm. It's always about making it recognizable. There's a company I work with called Broad Jam. Broad Jam will give you a description. I'm looking for this song for this placement. It might be a Lexus advertisement. Mm-hmm. It might be um, the next um, Superman movie. Right. And they're going to tell you songs like, and they'll even give you examples of what it is. Now, you may not have heard them because they may be an indie artist. Mm-hmm. You may have heard them because they are somebody that's known, but they can't. They want to pay for the rights for that song. So look for somebody that can produce something similar with their storyline. 
So what I'm hearing is uh, for an artist out there who's who's trying to make it, um, really the same drill. I mean, you just keep working at it, keep working at it, keep working at it. Um, find someone like yourself that can, can help you out. Now, can an artist work for more than just uh, one uh, studio without getting in trouble with the uh, rights? Sure. I mean, because where the rights come in is what rights you agree with on per song. You can work on five songs and one song per studio if you want to. I see. Okay. But you're going to lose your continuity. Right. You're going to lose that same feel from song to song when you finish that project. It's not going to feel right. Gotcha. So gotcha. You, if you if you if you like what you're doing and who you're working with and that sound you're getting, it's going to be in your favor to continue that relationship. Now you might have to change up some musicianship in there because you want to. This one you need some crazy guitar on. This one you need a a, a sax solo. Right. So, but you still got to have a certain sound, and and it's the same. In every studio, there is a difference. Their mics, how they record, what programs they're using, all those things are or can make a big difference. I know the uh, the thing that I didn't ask you that I meant to ask you is, um, the. Are there music police that roam around restaurants and offices? And yes, there are. Are they more prevalent than what we think or what? Yes, especially at fairs and festivals. So they're going to walk around and just hear something and ask you if you got the rights. You're not going to know it. Okay. It's the responsibility of whoever's hosting the restaurant or the event. They're the ones that's going to get the piece of paper. Well, they'll get it after the fact or then? It depends on the severity of it. I got you. So um, the news there is uh, if you're a, if you're a business or whatever, you make sure you got all your music licensed and paying yeah. all your fees because it can get expensive. I've heard some yes. of those penalties can be in the twenty thirty thousand range. Yes, and and even more sometimes. Yes. Okay. Well, um, I I've enjoyed the conversation. I really have. Do you want to um, kind of add anything out there for the person who's uh, just thinking about what? What's the next step in, in what I've been doing? All I got to tell you is don't ever give up your dream. Um, and a dream and a passion is two different things. Mm -hmm. This business is my passion. Passion can't be stopped. That's true. A dream can not only go away or be dimmed, it can be changed. You know, right now your dream is getting out of high school and getting that car. Right. <laughs> that changed because this girl came in your life. That changed because you got married. Then you got kids. You see how the dream can evolve. Mm -hmm. But the passion, me playing music, has never been dampened, never stopped, and never will. And everybody that knows me hears me say the same thing over and over. I just want to help people. This passion I have is my goal is to make someone else successful. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. It's not about me. It's about making someone else successful. And I believe, in turn, they'll take care of me. Ronnie, how can they get? How can people get in touch with you? They can visit us on the website, okay. virtualadrenaline.com. Okay. Uh, of course, call the studio. All the information is on there. Okay. Um, what we do. And also, just mention, you know, we do video production as well. We have actually, it's called a psych room. Have infinity white wall, the green screen for special effects like flying through the air like Superman. Right. <laughs> Then we have the black curtain and complete sound control. All the lighting's installed. We have photographers that come and use the facility. We have, we've done music videos, reality shows, uh, just about everything. We do classrooms. Uh, we have a lot of classes too. And um, um, yeah, I think that the whole you've created it. What it sounds like a real community around this thing. Yes. Yeah. 
That makes a lot of sense. Well, Ronnie, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, again, this is Joe Moss, and, and you've uh, been listening to On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And uh, this concludes the Wednesday, July 18th. Gosh, we're almost through a whole year, uh, through a half a year at this point, um, episode. And we talked about music and music production and uh, just had a real good conversation with uh, Ronnie Winstead. So thanks for joining and be careful out there, everybody. Mm-hmm.